This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, and it is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can also join us again, uh, freetalklive.com. Enjoy all those features there. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for their website. We give it away. All right, so uh, starting things out here tonight with the Democrats. I guess they got themselves all elected, and now they're in charge. They've got a mandate from the American people now. As of today, and I guess uh, Nancy Pelosi or whatever she is is now... The Speaker of the House. Madam Speaker. The number three most powerful person in America. I think I saw a quote on Drudge, her bragging that she's the most powerful woman in America. Mm. This is the kind of person we want in office, right? Somebody That's right. Somebody who's just lusting for the power. She's dizzy with her own power. Yeah. Oh, well, boy. Well, you know, it, it, it is, it's, it's something of note. She, is, uh, she has achieved the um, highest position um, you know, politically that a woman has achieved in America. Mm. I would say that, uh, in, in my opinion, Oprah has done more um, than Nancy Pelosi. But, you know, I'd say you're right. Um, you know, Oprah provides a product that people want. Well, she got people to read. Awful I think as it is. Well, yeah, I mean, Oprah, whatever, whatever you think about her politics or her belief system or whatever, but at least she's encouraging people to read. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, there's some ed- educational stuff that goes on in her show. You just have to throw away all the opinion. Well, since we've got the uh, Democrats in, and remember, if this is your first time listening to Free Talk Live, we are not a Republican talk show. We're not a Democrat talk show, but... I mean, the we news hate them of, both. The news, right, exactly. The news of the day is about the Dems, so let's talk about them a little bit. Vin Saprinowitz from LewRockwell.com, the Interior Department, signed blinding leases with some of America's largest oil companies back in 1998-1999, allowing the firms to drill in deep waters of the Gulf, uh, Gulf of Mexico, far outside of anti, uh, any internationally recognized 6- or 12-mile territorial limit. The government doesn't spend any money facilitating that expensive deep drilling, mind you. It doesn't subsidize those operations in any traditional use of the term. Rather, Washington charges the oil companies for the privilege of keeping our homes heated and our cars on the road, and then sharply restricts where, in international waters, that the drilling can occur. If the oil companies tried to get away with paying less than called for in the leases, what do you think would happen? So do you understand so far? The government is involved with leases with the oil companies. Sure. They're leasing property they don't own. Right. They're just saying, okay, you can go and drill here off uh, in international waters in the Gulf of Mexico, and we promise not to blow you up. And that's essentially the deal, right? I the guess that's what it is, yeah. Deal. Uh, you either pay for this lease or you're going to have violence enacted on you. Well, instead, the oil companies are perfectly happy to pay the amounts agreed upon. I mean cost of doing business. They want to get business done. They want to bring oil to Americans, you know, so we can keep our homes warm up here in the, in the north and uh, keep driving. Well, the Democrats in Congress say the leases are flawed. The Interior Department wrote them incorrectly, apparently, and now the oil companies aren't required to pay enough. In fact, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi even refers to the difference between what the written leases call for the oil companies to pay and the amount she'd like them to pay, a government subsidy. <laughs> Imagine that if That's you've been paying, clever. Yeah, if you've been paying three dollars a dozen for eggs, but the supermarket manager wishes that he charged you ten dollars a dozen, he's subsidizing you by seven dollars. Yeah, he's been subsidizing you seven dollars a week, and he has a right to try to get it back. Hmm. Now this would be merely silly if the new majority Democrats hadn't now declared their plans to end those subsidies. 
House Democrats in the first few weeks of the new Congress plan to establish a dedicated fund to promote, quote, renewable energy and conservation using money from the oil companies. Now, to say that oil companies don't get subsidies is inaccurate. Oil companies get subsidies to search for new places to get energy and, you know, things like that. They get um, to search for new places to dig for oil, that, that kind Why of thing. Why don't we get rid of those subsidies? Absolutely. Let's get rid of those subsidies. The AP adds, there's only one legislative hit the oil industry's expecting to take next year as Congress run by Democrats is likely to show little sympathy for the cash-rich, high-profile business. Ah, the new Democratic Party, says Vin, not an enemy of capital and commerce among them what next a dedicated fund to promote the consumption of alfalfa sprouts using money from the big beef processors yeah sounds right a dedicated fund to promote the wearing of sandals using money from the big boot manufacturers oops better not give them any ideas to this gang selectively looting greedy rich corporations comes as naturally as syphilitic german dictators blaming everything on the jews details of a renewable fuels fund have yet to be worked out Aides to Speaker-elect Nancy Pelosi say that at least some of the money from the planned tax hikes on the oil companies will go to a program to support research into making ethanol from sources other than corn. The goal, apparently, is to require large oil companies to make available fuel that is 85% ethanol, so-called E85, at some of their retail outlets. Wow. Of course. That's a lot of ethanol. If If it were really possible to show net savings by powering vehicles with this stuff... Government could just stand aside and let the market work, say by removing all import restrictions on cheap ethanol from Brazil, couldn't it? I'm, I'm for that. In fact, the ethanol boondoggle will remain a huge handout to corn producers like Archer Daniels Midland. You know, one of those big, greedy, evil companies. Yes. I guess they like some more than others. Uh, the real goal here being to make Americans crave $4 a gallon ethanol by forcing big oil to increase gasoline prices at the pump. Pelosi, California Democrat, recently told reporters, what we'll do is roll back, I don't know what she sounds like making this up, what we'll do is roll back the subsidies to big oil and use the resources to invest in a reserve for the research of alternative energy. Are these guys good or what? Raising taxes is rolling back tax breaks. <laughs> Squeezing more leasing fees than called for, uh, for in formal written contracts is rolling back the subsidies to big oil. What specific tax break are they talking about anyway? With the goal of promoting American manufacturing, Congress recently reduced the corporate tax tax rate on profits from products made in the United States. Although the oil companies didn't ask for the break and say they don't need it, it applies to them as well. So now it's a tax break when you pay the same tax rate as everyone else. Democrats are also targeting other benefits for refinery investments and for expenditures for certain types of oil and gas exploration, says the AP. Well, thank heavens. The last thing we want is for oil companies to discover new oil deposits and build more refineries. Such scurrilous endeavors should be taxed to the hilt to prevent a glut of new low-priced gasoline and heating oil at any time in the foreseeable future. The Democrats also want to raise taxes on oil inventories, believe it or not a move that would cause companies to reduce the amount of oil they keep in storage. According to Red Cavaney, the president of the American Petroleum Institute, the industry trade group. If that happens, quote, prices will go through the roof, unquote, if there's even a modest disruption. Because why why do you want to keep your inventory around if uh, you're going to get taxed on it? Uh, It it wouldn't make any sense. You'd want to uh, have as little inventory on hand as possible. And that's not good for... uh, Business. That's not good for an emergency. No. 
The good news? Well, both Republican and Democratic lawmakers say there's unlikely to, uh, to be an attempt to push more sweeping measures such as new tax on the oil industry's windfall profits, says the AP. Though members of both parties have said they want to make another stab at passing a federal law against oil company price gouging. If all this sounds a bit familiar, it's because less than over uh, less than two months ago, voters in Representative Pelosi's own goofily green state of California voted in, quote, the most expensive referendum in history, the campaign over Proposition 87, which aimed to raise and spend $4 billion on alternative fuel programs, with a goal of cutting Californians' use of gasoline and diesel 25% by 2017. The California measure would have prohibited oil companies from simply raising prices at the pump to cover their costs of the new tax. So they uh, wanted to mandate that these people have less profits, essentially, is what they were trying yes, to do. Yes, profits are bad. We must mandate that. Even the Los Angeles Times called Proposition 87 nutty and said that research into alternative energy sources was already booming in the state, driven by the market, not government. Proposition 87 was defeated 55% to 45%. Despite, too close for me. Despite notable support from energy experts like Bill Clinton, Julia Roberts, and Al Gore. <laughs> it was too wacky for the roadshow audience in that California. Julia Roberts. So now they'll try it in Washington. Almost sounds like there might be a slogan for the new Democratic Party somewhere in there. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. Space exploration. We got that on the way. There's um, some more private efforts going on from somebody who's uh, somewhat close to us here at Free Talk Live. We'll explain on the way. Uh, 800-259-9231. Looks like the government can go through your mail as well. We'll find out what that's all about. Mark's got the story and your calls about anything. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. And you can take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, and that does include the archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there. Front page of the website for your downloaded convenience at freetalklive.com. And what's your liberty issue? Is it privacy? Well, register now for the February 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Speakers include anti-Real ID activist Jim Harper from the Cato Institute. Also in attendance will be New Hampshire residents and legislators active in the fight against the National Real ID. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum to learn more and to get registered. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Mark, you're going to tell me about teens in trunks. Yes, I am. What's that all about? Well, there's a... uh... A new trend among teens called trunking. It's very clever. What? I, they, is that where they, is it, no, that's not the uh, ghost riding. That's where they're jumping out of the cars and, and running alongside their cars and jumping back in. Is this where they're riding on top of the uh, the trunk? Nope, nope. They're not riding on top of the trunk, no. They're, uh, they're in fact, riding in it. Oh, okay. So, uh, from Gordon, Are they abducting their friends and sort of throwing them in the trunk, or is this a, this is a fun thing? No, no. They're getting in the trunk. Okay. I'll read it to you. It has to do with laws, Hmm. why they're crawling into trunks. Interesting. So uh, from the the, uh, register columnist Gordon Dillo says, until they passed a law against it, I never heard of the trend um, known among teenagers as trunking. Nor have I, because I'm not a teenager. And you're not in California. Right. That is, riding as a passenger in a moving car while locked in the trunk. So I figured the anti-trunking law, one of the 910 new laws enacted in California last year, (laughs) 
was just another law designed by legislators with too much time on their hands to fix something that most people never even thought was a problem. Sounds Since about right. 1998, New California drivers age 18, um, under age 18, generally have been barred from having other teens in the car with them while they drive. Currently, that restriction extends for their first full year of driving. The teens I- under 18 cannot have other teens in the car? In California. Correct. Okay. And, and I, I would, wouldn't doubt that that's true in some other states, too. I've, hmm. I've heard of this before. Got it. Um, I don't know what I think about it. I think it's a good idea, but I don't know um, precisely. I don't think it's a good idea. I think that's unfair. I it's mean, unfair to the, other, to the teens that are good drivers. Right. There are plenty of teenagers that are lousy, pathetic drivers, and obviously having other kids in the car is going to, e- going to be even a, a more distraction for them. And so I can see the intent of the law, but on the other hand, there are uh, you're punishing the good ones. Um, That's not good. I understand what you're saying. It's punishing the good ones, but there are a lot of bad teen drivers out there. Mm-hmm. I was one of them. I know. Um, I well, got if I had if I hadn't got into a wreck when I was um, you know if I hadn't had somebody in the car I would not have gotten into a wreck when I was in my um, you know first year of driving and that would have probably prevented that and I know that I was reasonably responsible compared to many others. And so you're just saying that this law is encouraging teens to break the law at this point because they're gonna they want their ki- their friends in the car and so now they're throwing them in the trunk. Right. Um. So we can debate whether or not we think that um, that particular law is a good idea or, or whatever later. But um. You know there is an unintended consequence and here it is. Um, currently, the restriction extends uh, for their first, first full year of driving. The idea was that it would protect new teen drivers from the inevitable goofing and goading that their pals would um, and, and would protect their pals from riding as passengers in cars driven by exper- inexperienced drivers. The result of these new laws have been dramatic. In the first two years, fatal and injury collisions caused by 16-year-old drivers dropped 24%. The teen passenger deaths and injuries and crashes caused by 16-year-old drivers declined by 40%. But, of course, some teenagers simply can't do the math. So, if they want to ride in a car with a buddy who isn't yet allowed to have teenage passengers in the car, say, for example, if they are the 16-year-old boyfriend of the La Umbra girl named Jennifer who wants to cruise um, for pizza in his 16-year-old best friend's Toyota, they simply stash themselves in the trunk where the cops can't see them, Mm -hmm. and off they go. But whatever the reason, it is certifiably stupid and certifiably dangerous. In 2005, for example, two two teenagers in Los Angeles County were killed when they were thrown from a car trunk in a collision and then run over by other vehicles. Oof. And the California Highway Patrol reports that since 2000, there have been... how does that happen? I don't know how that happened. I mean, was the seat flipped down already? Because, I mean, I could see you get in a car, car wreck, there's a lot of momentum involved, and it's going to be transferred to your bodies... And you're going to be flying forward, probably hitting the the seat in front of you, even presuming if that seat is uh, down to where you could just sort of fly out of the trunk, then you're still going to hit the seats in front of you. I mean, wow. I don't to think fly that, out of the car from the trunk, that's got to be difficult. I don't think that, that amateur physicists like ourselves I, should be trying true. to guess what's going to happen in accidents, because I'll tell you, the craziest things happen in accidents. I understand. I mean, this. I just That's had one. A couple, I just had one a couple of days ago, and uh, I thought I was all ready for the impact with the tree there. It was coming in uh, 25 miles an hour, mm-hmm. and the car wouldn't stop, and I just saw it coming, so I got all ready. And um, somehow or another, my left foot hit my right ankle and bruised it. So hmm. I mean, somehow it just jumped up there and dunk, hit it. Right. So it, it just it's just weird what can happen during accidents. You know what I think this is, Mark, this uh, this law. It may have been intended to protect kids, mm-hmm. 
But I think it also has an, an unintended or perhaps intended consequence of giving the police an excuse to, to pull, pull kids over, over in a car. Pull over teenagers, and um, once you pull them over, then it's no big deal to ask them, hey, search them in here. Yeah, exactly. Smell the car for reefer. Yep. Yeah, that kind of thing. Let's see. The California Highway Patrol reports that since 2000, there have been 140 injuries and nine fatalities involving people riding in unauthorized places in vehicles, trunks included. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine where else. So even though it's been illegal to ride in cars without a seat and a seat belt, the legislators decided to beef up the trunking um, penalty. Now, for the first time in California, there's a specific <laughs> law against riding in the trunk of a car. Oh, boy. What's the penalty? With both the driver and the person in the trunk facing fines and assessments of about $370 for the first violation. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine that there's repeat trunkers? <laughs> and the driver um, getting a point against his driving record. Uh, but the new anti-trunking penalties, um, will they make any difference? It's hard to say. After all, anyone who's knuckle-headed enough to be willingly to willingly ride in a car trunk clearly isn't worried about his future. So probably not. They just want to hang out with their friends. Yeah, they want to be in the cars with their friends, and uh, this is clearly an kids will be kids. It's an unintended consequence. I, 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 I think. I think that this is what they should do. For every law that they pass against a 16-year-old driver, they should pass one against an 80-year-old driver. Why? Because, um, you know, if they want to put restrictions on when you can start driving, mm-hmm. you know, when you're responsible enough, when you're, um, have a, you know, you're big enough physically, when you have enough motor coordination and all that stuff. Then again, 80-year-olds don't exactly ride around uh, with their pals very often, do they? Uh, no, but you, as well as I know, well, you didn't get out much in Sarasota. You just would drive to work and back. But, mm-hmm. man, if you go down one town south to Venice, because, you know, everybody's parents live in Sarasota, yeah. and, and then their parents live in Venice. Um, the if, if you go down to Venice, it's like bumper cars and Lincolns down there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just, they're all over the place. They're, they're making lefts from the right lanes, rights from the left lanes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> those people are medicated out of their gourds. Yeah. And, um... There's there's a point in life when you need to give up your driver's license. It's true. And um, I I can't say that I know when that point is because it should be different for every individual. But in the same um, at the same by the same token, it should be different for every individual as to when they can start driving a car. Do you feel like this is a good law? Like the uh, not just not just the um, being in a trunk is a legal law that they've just now passed, but the law that prevents kids from riding with other kids. Is that a good law in your mind? If so, why? 800-259-9231. More on the way. Your show, including Cheerleaders Gone Wild. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got the Shrine of Female listeners there with dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo. And they're proving in the picture that they listen to the show. So head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And does your company have a bunch of unpaid receivables just sitting out there? Try SACL CAI. They do collection in a whole new way. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. They record every customer interaction so you can check their work. Let SACL CAI handle any or all of your account's receivable needs. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. 
do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. We were talking about this uh, this new California law that makes it illegal, the penalty of $370 for the first offense, if police catch teenagers with people in their trunk. Now, the reason this law has come into effect is because, well, government creates laws and creates programs, and their laws and programs create unintended consequences. And in this case, teens riding in other teens' trunks is a consequence of them outlawing teens riding next to one another in the seats of the car. Because apparently if you're 16 and you just get your driver's license for at least the first year, I believe it was, of your uh, having that license, you cannot have anyone who is of the same age range as you in the car with you. Unless you have an adult with you or something like that. There's there's some Some exceptions. Yeah, some exceptions. Right. But it's essentially just making it so the kids who already hate the law... I mean, kids already have a healthy disrespect for the law simply because the law says they can't drink, the law says they can't smoke pot, the law says they can't have sex. I mean, the kids kids don't like the law. This is why uh, the cops get called pigs, because kids don't like laws. And so now you're passing more laws to get the kids to disrespect your laws even more and to hate the police even more. That's one of the other unintended consequences of all this, Mark. And so kids are now riding with kids in the trunk. We've discovered that even though the fatality rate has allegedly gone down for car crashes and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, now it's going up. Now, now there are people dying because they're in the trunk, Well, um, whereas they might have survived had they been sitting in the uh, the passenger seat. Well, at, at this point, um, there, there's, a, there's been 140 injuries and nine fatalities involving people riding in unauthorized places. They don't say anything about people getting caught in trunks and dying I from... See. Um, you know, exposure in there. I, I would think that that's going to that's going to happen if it hasn't. But you're still talking about a very small number of teens. It seems to me like this law is working. Um, you know, as much as I hate the I, you know, I just I don't working like the to idea. make teens uh, disrespect the law and hate the law. Sure, it's working in that way. But, and and it's um, causing uh, deaths. You know, a, a reduction in deaths yeah. and injuries. I still, you and, know, and I you, the other thing you've got to remember uh, statistics. I always question. I understand you do. Um, but I would suspect that uh, you know this this gentleman is uh, probably I would assume he has uh, done his work and gone to the motor vehicles and that kind of thing. Maybe he just got it off of a press release. I don't know, but um, it doesn't seem like it because he said he just heard of trunking. Um, you know the I understand I um, why somebody wouldn't want um, why a teenager wouldn't want a law passed about them driving. But the fact is they're driving on the road that I'm driving on, mm-hmm. so I'm exposed to them and that two two-ton killing machine that they may not have the healthy respect for that I do. And that's what um, th- that's why they pass laws like this, is because, A, teenagers give them all the ammunition in the world. They're the worst drivers on the road. Um, they, you know, we have all been teenagers, and we've all done the dumb things that teenagers do. For some reason, um, you know, after I didn't get my first speeding ticket till I was 23. I understand. There are some great teen drivers out there, Ian. Well, But um, after school, when... Um, when it was rainy, my friend Chad would always pull the emergency brake, and we'd do 180s in the middle of, uh, you know, in the middle of the road and these mm-hmm. back roads uh, on the way back from school and that kind of thing. Strange. I haven't felt the urge to do that since I was 17. I mean, you know, it just doesn't happen. Adults don't do that kind of thing. So there, it makes sense. It stands to reason that there's going to be more laws on, um, y- you know, the the demographic that is the worst driver. Well, it seems to me, Mark, that this is just going to do nothing but uh, make it so driving while teen is going to be another um, offense that it will give cops an excuse to pull people over with and harass teenagers even more. 
and okay, yeah, maybe you're going to save a few lives, mm-hmm. but uh, I, maybe I'm maybe I should be for this because it'll just make people hate the law even more. I, th- I think I'm for this law at this point. Let's go to Dead Meat in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hi guys. Uh, hey, what's on your mind? Hey, I got a couple disappointments. Number one is that Mark didn't come and visit me while he was in Sarasota. That made me sad. Hey, That's a shame. You know, I was out singing karaoke, man. You could have come and uh, seen me at the Cabana. Oh, see, I don't go to the Cabana. There's only like ten people that show up there. Man, that place was packed. There must have been fifty people at the Cabana. Don't touch uh, anything. You could get tetanus, though. Yeah, most of the time I go there, it's either alive or dead. One All right, two. so no one knows where the Cabana is. Let's get into something that people care about. Dead meat. What else you got on your mind? Uh, the second one was you've been going over a lot of cop stories lately, but you didn't read mine that I sent in where the kid got killed over PlayStation 3 by the cops. Oh, this was uh, back in December, right? That's correct. Yeah, I don't know. It was just uh, the, the kid was allegedly, I guess, uh, somebody who held someone up in order to get the PlayStation 3. Is that Wasn't that correct? Yeah, he beat the crap out of a kid he saw to get two of them. Right. Well, I didn't really feel sorry for the. Right. Yeah, I didn't really feel sorry for that kid in that particular case. So uh, that's why I elected to not share that on air. But yeah. Neither did I. But the best thing to do is to recommend you don't go to the door with a game controller in your hand. <laughs> Otherwise, you might get shot. <laughs> that is apparently what happened in that case. Dead meat. Um, also, I went to one of my deliveries uh, this week. And I saw a note on the door, and it was a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they are now federally mandated to charge patients if they want to put them on the roller table, give them hot or cold packs, and to do electrostimulus on their back. They're mandated to charge what? A tax? Federally mandated to charge patients for those services. Wait, so wait, they're charging for the services, or are they charging a tax for those services? I don't believe it's a tax. From what the note said that I read, they are now federally mandated to charge for those services. Were they giving them away before? I mean, were they just comping people? I know Mark's gone to the chiropractor a couple times, I'm sure, and I have also. And basically when I go in, sometimes we'll say, hey, is your back feeling any better? Well, if it's not, just hang out on the roller table for an hour or so, you know, to help your back uh, go ahead and settle properly. What do you think the, the motivation for forcing them to charge for those services is? I really wish I knew. I haven't had the time to go up and look up that new uh, mandate, but uh, I just wanted to bring that to your attention. And when I brought it up with the nurses there, they were very angry with it, mm. to the point of the lady saying quite a few choice words that I can't repeat now. You know, it, it sounds to me like the chiropractor lobby got together and, um, you know, up there in Washington and said, hey, let's, let's make sure that none of the chiropractors are giving away free, uh, you know, um, time on the roller table or anything like that. So you think the chiropractors were attacking each other in this particular case, and it wasn't maybe the doctor's association going after the chiropractors? Well, I would would think that's what it was. Um, It it seems like it to me. Dead Meat, thanks for the call. We appreciate it, man. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. Hey, since we're talking about uh, teenagers, who could resist a story about cheerleaders gone wild, right? Well, at a high school, according to ABC News... In McKinney, Texas, officials say a group of five cheerleaders recently got out of control. Dubbed the Fab Five, they acted like they could get away with almost anything and refused to bend to authority. They repeatedly skipped class, insulted their instructors, and terrorized their coach, their fourth coach, in just one year. The Fab Five even posted sexually suggestive pictures of themselves on MySpace, and I can hear our listeners tapping away for those right now. But that wasn't enough for the school to take their pom-poms away. In an exclusive interview with uh, Good Morning America, Michaela Ward, the coach that the Fab Five drove out, said the girls were beyond discipline. 
She said, Unfortunately, these girls were given power that any teenager would have completely abused. They were untouchable. They were invincible. The rules did not apply to them. There was no accountability. They knew that I had absolutely no power to discipline. Well, the school finally took action, but now two questions are being asked. What took so long, and who is to blame? Some are pointing their fingers at the mother of the clique's ringleader, who also happened to be the school's principal. Oh, Hmm. I see. Little uh, nepotism involved here. That's what's happening. Yeah, we're getting into some details here coming up. 800-259-9231. That is the toll-free packet eight line for you. Maybe you've had an experience with some bratty teens that were above the rules, and uh, you want to share them with us. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up anything. This is your show, 800-259-9231. More about the Fab Five on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show, however, by voting for us. It's that time again. Every month, the voting totals reset over at Podcast Alley, and we ask that you go and vote for Free Talk Live to help promote us, to help propel us up the top ten chart. Uh, I believe we're last time I looked was at number two uh, in the world, still at number two, uh, actually. And we could be number one with your vote. If you go to vote.freetalklive.com, maybe ask a friend or two to vote as well, vote.freetalklive.com. And also don't forget to go and dig the show. We're uh, pushing that at the moment, dig, D-I-G-G, .freetalklive.com. Also another way to help support Free Talk Live. We're talking about the girls gone wild, in this case, cheerleaders from a particular high school in Texas, McKinney North High School. In fact, uh, from the MSNBC Newsweek article, I had started with the ABC one, but after doing a little searching, because I was looking for the pictures, uh, apparently... There were some uh, teenage girls who were above the law, or at least above the rules, in this particular high school because one of the five, the Fab Five as they were called, happened to be the daughter of the principal of the high school. Hmm. And uh, apparently some of their photos, here's the description from the Newsweek article, the teenagers were exhibiting a variety of body behavior. One shot showed a bikini-clad girl sharing a bottle of booze with a friend. My goodness, Mark, can you imagine this? High school students in America drinking? Who'd have thought that could happen? Another featured a cheerleader and several other girls in risque poses, offering glimpses of their panties. But the most infamous photo of all was taken in a condoms-to-go store. They actually have condom stores? Yes, they do, in, in some larger cities. Five smiling cheerleaders dressed in uniform posed with large candles shaped like penises. What a At surprise. least one of them appeared to be simulating fellatio. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that the uh, are, are you telling me that stereotypes are true? Oh, I don't know that, if there's that a stereotype. Cheerleaders are actually sluts? No, I don't know. That's not fair to cheerleaders. I know it's not fair, but it is a stereotype. It, well, I don't know that it's a stereotype. You um, don't think it is? I don't. Really? I don't That's necessarily... kind of the impression that I've gotten. I think that people would like that. I think that uh, from what we've heard over the years, from uh, some of the people we've interviewed, some people who were involved with cheerleading squads over time have certainly told me uh, plenty of stories. Maybe you weren't around for those shows, Mark. I'm sure where, any, uh, any group of girls in yeah. high school could probably uh, you know, have the same stories told about them. 
Well, these are stories coming from people within these groups talking about how there was uh, some hanky-panky going on between the coach, uh, between the coaches and the cheerleaders, and the girls just doing things like the Fab Five here have gotten caught for. These are just the ones that get uh, that, that have gotten caught. Anyway, it would be an overstatement to describe any of the fo- uh, photos as pornographic, but it would be an understatement to describe them as harmless hijinks. Wrote Harold Jones, a lawyer hired by the school district to in, uh, district to investigate the incident. He says, quite frankly, I personally found it creepy. Yeah, right, <laughs> Harold. Uh, the photos are at the heart of a scandal that is. <laughs> he felt what he felt what was happening. His pants was creepy. Yeah. Uh, it was at the heart of a scandal that has rocked McKinney, an affluent bedroom community north of Dallas. By many accounts, the group of cheerleaders known as the Fab Five were out of control, an elite social clique that flagrantly <laughs> fouled... You just love the idea of out-of-control cheerleaders. ...flouted school rules but faced few sanctions. In many ways, they seemed like the t- uh, stereotypical mean girls that periodically trigger bouts of consternation among parents. But there's an added wrinkle to their tale. Uh, the Fab Five's alleged ringleader was the daughter of McKinney's North uh, principal, Linda Thoret. Amid charges that Thoret gave the girls preferential treatment, the school district launched a $40,000 investigation conducted by Jones in the fall. Now, who do you think paid for this $40,000 investigation? Did it come out of Miss Thoret's uh, paycheck? No, no. That came out of the taxpayer's, uh, you know, the, the general fund. Great. So because there was some uh, some hoes acting out, the taxpayers got to pay an extra $40,000 to investigate the hose acting out. Yes. To pay some lawyer and some group of bureaucrats to poke around the internet and look at uh, slutty pictures. You know, it would that's be, what happened. It would be, it would be one thing if the parents of the school were paying for it, but no, everybody in that whole school district paid for this forty thousand dollar investigation. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't think that uh, me as being a parent of just even if my I'm just kids saying were at the school, if, I wouldn't want to pay for that. I'm just saying that it would be one thing if the parents um, of the students at the school paid for it. It's in t- something entirely different than when I have to pay for it. Now I don't because I'm not in this school district, but I would if it was this school district. The lawyer apparently was the guy who got to conduct the investigation. Harold, the one who found the uh, the. The picture's creepy, mm-hmm. so-called. So he got $40,000, and who knows how long it took him to do this. You know, oh, God, you know, I haven't uh, written this report yet. By the way, his report was 70 pages long. That's a lot that's, of pages that's really on a MySpace account. <laughs> yeah, uh, which harshly criticized Thread and Assistant Principal Richard Brunner helped prompt Thread's resignation on December 21st. Brunner remains on paid leave as he fights to retain his job. But Jones's report takes plenty of others to task as well, from parents to police, saying kids will be kids, but adults have to be adults. Sadly, in this saga, I was struck by the reticence of many adults to accept the role of being the grown-up. The cheerleaders had reportedly been a menace long before the condom store episode, according to the report, when one teacher told a squad member to quit chatting on her cell phone in class. The girl replied, shut up, I'm talking to my mom. Oh, dear God. On a separate occasion, she offered this response to the teacher's reprimand. Pull your panties out of a wad. Gang members were nothing compared to these girls, the teacher told Jones. They believe they cannot be touched. The girls were apparently just as ornery in their cheerleading activities, leading five coaches to quit in the last three years alone. The principal's daughter... Come on, these girls were responsible for five coaches quitting... Apparently, that's the claim. He did a $40,000 investigation, Mark. Well, you know, five coaches may very well have left. I doubt very seriously they cited those fi- um, those five girls as the reason. Well, if you can't discipline them, if any time you try to discipline the girls as the coach, you're rebuffed by the principal of the of the school, I could see that as being a little frustrating. Yeah. You've got a job that you're supposed to do, but these little tramps... 
could I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid being too de- um, degenerative towards them, but these little tramps would uh, just uh, would do whatever they wanted to do and disrupt your teaching ability and get away with it. Anyway, after the incident, uh, apparently, instead of kicking the daughter off of the squad after she flipped off one of her former coaches, the school administrators allowed her to quit. They so do she sound could, like they were hell on wheels. So she could try out the following year. After the incident, the coach told Jones that Thoret, quote, tried to ruin my life over this. I was called a liar, crazy, on meds. This was the principal calling the coach those things. Wow. The problems culminated this fall under the most recent cheerleading coach, Michelle Ward, through her relationship with the girls. Though her relationship started off amicably, things quickly soured. Among the pranks that they allegedly pulled on Ward, giving her what they report uh, the report described as a chocolate tampon. Oh, dear God. What is What that? on earth does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. And sending racy text messages from her cell phone to her husband and another coach. When the condom store photos hit the Internet, they triggered a firestorm. Now taking a hard line, Thoret, according to her attorney, recommended kicking the five girls off the squad. But a committee of administrators from the school and district recommended 15-day suspensions for the girls in the drinking photo and 30-day suspensions for those in the condom store snapshot. After parents protested that the latter picture shouldn't be treated more harshly than the former, the superintendent of schools agreed and reduced the penalty for the condom store photo to 15 days. In the aftermath, Ward warned the cheerleaders that she would kick them off if there were any more incidents. Good luck with that, one of them is expect, uh, said to have replied. Wow. Not surprisingly, there were more incidents, including the night of the homecoming dance, when some of the cheerleaders arrived in a limo packed with students who had apparently been boozing. Oh, my gosh, Mark, this never happens with teenagers in America. <laughs> Drinking at homecoming? Well, what a surprise. All of, the, uh, all of this might have remained below the radar if it had not been for McKilla Ward. In October, she abruptly resigned and recounted her experiences with the girls' to the media. Mm. In the resulting uproar, the uh, school district called in Jones, whose report makes it clear that he was as dismayed by the behavior of the adults as he was by that of the Fab Five. He criticized Ward for abetting the cheerleaders' misconduct. He lambasted school administrators for giving the girls far too many second chances, and he rebuked Principal Threat for failing to balance her dueling obligations as a mother and a principal. The parties involved, of course, dispute these conclusions. Threat's attorney says... She was doing her best to control her recalcitrant daughter, and that as principal, she propelled the school to the pinnacle of academic excellence. I love how she tosses her daughter under the bus in order to save her job. That's amazing. How did she do that? Well, she says her recalcitrant daughter. She says, of course, I, oh, I did right, my right. very best to discipline these girls. They've, their behavior's been outrageous. One of the Fab Five claims their depiction as girls gone wild is unjustified. She says, critics made us out to be people we're not. Ward did not return calls for comment. McKinney North, the tumult is finally beginning to subside. None of the Fab Five remain on the team, according to one of the ousted cheerleaders. Thoret recently reached a settlement with the school board, agreeing to resign in exchange for a payment of around $75,000. Sweet, that's and a year's a letter pay. of recommendation. And a letter of recommendation. Yep, amazing, isn't it? 800-259-9231. If you experience any hijinks like this, do share. 800-259-9231. And are the stereotypes true? Was I right about that claim? I think so. Hour two's on the way. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves. Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live, Thursday edition, your show. You take control of the airwaves. We're launching into hour number two. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the packet eight toll-free line for you. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. That again, freetalklive.com. We start things out by going straight to the phones and to the fun. Let's talk to Justin in Utah. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Justin. Oh, hey, guys. I was calling in to talk about the... Public school and private school systems? Sure. Uh, I, w- I've gone- I was in a private school for seven years, and then I transferred out to a public school, and I've been in public schools for four years. Mm. I just kind of want to discuss the kind of stark differences between the two. Please do. Okay. Well, at the private school, the teachers kind of obviously cared a lot more. Really? So we had classes with like 12 people, and in the sixth grade, one of my teachers actually uh, came to my soccer game when I was playing to- and, watched- and came and watched a few of my games and kind of... You know, he's really interacting with me, and he's kind of out. He was kind of in my outside life, kind of mm-hmm. outside of school too. Just because he, he wanted to be. Yeah, just because he wanted to be. I mean, he asked if uh, we were kind of talking about it in class with the other kids, and he asked if he uh, could come to one of our games. And of course, we said yes, and he did come. He came to like two or three, and it, uh, yeah, it, it made the it kind of made us want to be in his class, you know. Sure. And then in public school, the the difference is kind of huge. Like the teachers really don't care that much. I mean, I for, eh, there are two or three of my teachers that are actually really good teachers, but for the majority, most of them don't care nearly as much as the private school teachers do because they have an incentive to care. That's true. Well, the private school teachers do, and the government school teachers have an incentive to just be there for a specified period of time until their pension kicks in. Yeah, and um, in my school district, they're actually our math and science grades are really bad for the district, so... Mm-hmm. They've actually decided to pay the math and science teachers more to kind of incent them to teach better. And Which, has it done anything? No. The, the grades are like the same they've been in the last like 15 years. And so they've decided to raise the paychecks again. I don't know that that's going to make the same teachers um, teach any better. I mean, one would assume that they're teaching as if, – if they're dedicated to their jobs, they're teaching as well as they would for any paycheck. Right. I mean, you might attract better teachers, but – with the way teachers' unions are and the uh, unlikelihood that uh, they're going to lose their jobs. Right. Well, it sounds to me like the teachers' union, which all these uh, government school teachers are likely members of, are out there lobbying and saying, you know, we'd get so much better, we'd get better scores if you just pay us more. Exactly. It's like rewarding their incompetence. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. One thing I noticed, though, is when I transferred from sixth grade to the public school's seventh grade, mm-hmm. uh, I, the, my class, I had one kid who transferred with me. And the funny thing is that we were both like two years ahead of the kids in our class. Sounds about right. Did you yeah. test up? Did you actually get to move up or were you forced to stay in that grade? Level? Yeah, we, we ended up staying. And, but needless to say, we got 4.0s and everything. And yeah, so, it, was, it was like a walk in the park, right? Going from It, uh, it still is. I mean, we're in... <laughs> Now there are like five of us who went to public school because this private school doesn't offer a high school. Why did, uh, oh, was, oh, that was going to be my next question. Why on earth would your parents have uh, sent you to go to government school after having such a good experience with private schools? Oh, yeah. Well, and another thing was the kind of the tuition went up like $3,000, so it was 13000 a year. Mm. And that, that was kind of an issue is we have four kids in our family. That's so. pretty, pretty hefty. Yeah. And, well, the thing is, is, now, even though we're, I'm kind of in the upper echelon of high schools, right. we're at the uh, it's the International Baccalaureate Program. Okay. And the kind of funny thing is, like, the huge difference between the teachers. Like, our teachers, you, you can definitely see the difference between the two. I mean, our, the teachers in the normal program are just kind of there, and uh, three or four of my teachers kind of, like, you can tell they want to be there. 
You mean the the teachers in the IB program? Yes. Are better teachers than the other teachers in yeah, the school? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can completely tell in there. But still, comparing the IB teachers to the private school teachers, what do you have to say on that? Well, the teachers, there, there are two of them that really, I mean, are awful, and there are three of them that uh, are good teachers, and one of them that could, was about the level of uh, my private school teachers. Gotcha. Which is the same thing, because there are six private school teachers who are kind of amazing, and now there's one out of six in my high school. That's amazing. And gotcha. Yeah, so you're it, essentially taking it. You're essentially rolling the dice uh, on a government school. If your parents sending your kids to a government school, there's a chance that there's going to be a, a good teacher. But for the most part, they're mostly, on average, going to be lousy. They're going to be yeah. bad, below par, subpar. Uh, and and you know, I don't know the example. I don't know that it's an entirely true that there's um, subpar, but they're not incentivized the same way oh, that a right. uh, private school teacher is. All I know is what Justin is telling me here, Mark, and right, he's I'm, telling I'm just, me that he's experiencing subpar teaching. And yes, yeah, and, it is because of the incentives. Yes, if the incentives were changed, then they would either straighten up and become good teachers, or they'd be replaced by good teachers. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm a reporter in our school's newspaper, and I'm actually writing a, an article on this topic. Hmm. And I've actually kind of had to take some of the stuff out of it that I was writing. Yeah, they're going to get angry. Censorship for, yeah, exactly. Like the principal is kind of angered by it. The principal, not only like, will the principal be angry, but uh, the principal's angry because he or she knows that when that article gets published, or if it were to get published, he'd hear it from a lot of the teachers on campus. And you'd yeah. probably feel it from the teachers as well, because they'd, be, uh, they'd be ticked at you. Yeah, and um, last time when we published, I wrote a paper on uh, the war on drugs and how it's kind of pathetic and it doesn't really do anything. And I kind of cited my own friends and the percentage that are drug users mm. and talked about how it was useless. And I had to take out some of the stuff because they didn't like it. Yeah, well, that's no. typical with a government school as well. They love to censor the government uh, school newspaper. It's not a bastion of free speech at all. And, uh, you know, good luck, Justin, in getting well, through your, your government school though, program. My mom actually has decided to try and send me over to a boarding school on the East Coast up in New Hampshire, which is Cardigan. I don't know. I'm not, oh. I'm not really aware of what the schools are here, but why do you need to be boarded? Are you a bad, bad boy? Oh, yeah, I'm awful. No, I have a 4.0 pretty much. What? I have 3.9. Isn't boarding school for bad kids? No, no, not at all. Oh, okay. Not usually. I'd be going there to play sports because I'm pretty good at what I do, and so they're offering me a scholarship. So well, that's I'm fantastic, then, uh, and good luck with that, and hopefully we'll see you in New Hampshire. Thanks for the call, yeah, man. We appreciate good. it. Bye. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Nico in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Um... Hi. Nico? Nico? He's frozen Going up. once, going twice? Should yeah. He's go well, he's not there. I don't know. Put him back on hold. See if he uh, can get his voice back. In the meantime, <laughs> we'll try Sam in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, gentlemen. I'm going to change gears on you here for That's a minute. fine, Sam. What's on your mind? I want to tell you about a piece of mail I got yesterday. It was a new bank card from my bank, which happens to be Compass, and it's got a touchless pay system in it where you just hold the card up to certain uh, uh, point-of-sale terminals, and it will transmit all this stuff wirelessly, and I looked into it, oh. and sure enough, it's RFID. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what that is. Now, we've talked about that before in some of the tracking things, and, you know, anybody can set up a sensor, read it from maybe 15 feet away, and eventually you could get, like, credit bureaus who are collecting all this information and finding where people are going. Mm -hmm. And uh, last time, I think I left Mark with kind of the wrong impression that somehow at the point of sale, your personally identifiable information could somehow be 
embedded into the RFID tag. Okay. But that's not actually the case. The, the RFID number, it's just like a serial number, isn't actually changed. It's just that those two pieces of information are tied together and then fed off somewhere for post-processing. So wait, you're saying that when you scan the card, it essentially takes the ID number from the card and then runs it through a data bank and pulls, using that ID number, pulls your information? Is that what you're saying? I'm not sure if it works that way, but uh, anybody who wanted to set up a scanner or a, a reader could get that number. And then uh, if somebody were to sell my contact information, like the bank, were to sell my contact information to somebody like a credit bureau, mm -hmm. those two pieces could be tied together, and then I can be tracked anywhere I go. And because that's a credit card, that's something I carry in my wallet that's with me all the time. Right. So they're tracking me wherever I go. Well, I've and heard what you can do about these uh, RFID chips is, um, you know, sometimes when you get a credit card, it's, it's uh, not completely done, so you have to put it in the microwave for about three seconds. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what I did. I took it back up to my bank. And uh, I happened to have a check that uh, I needed to deposit that was generated a CTR for the government to you know, look into my business. Okay. And uh, I let them know that I was not very pleased about this. I wanted to talk to the bank manager who was out sick. But, you know, the employees were talking about it a little bit. And I explained how it's a complete violation of my privacy. Mm -hmm. And they didn't uh, seem to get it. Started no. looking at the card kind of funny. And then mm -hmm. one of the other tellers said, oh, yeah, well, it's. It's for security. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> well, you don't want the terrorists to get your information, do you? Uh, thanks, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. It's going to be a hard fight uh, against this RFID because it's going to be in everything. Coming soon. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the packet 8 toll-free line for you. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can also join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The wiki is there, wiki.freetalklive.com. It's like the listener-editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. And what's your liberty issue? Is it taxes? Register now for the February 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Speakers include Christopher Gronsky, the New Hampshire coordinator for the We the People Congress, and a taxpayer activism panel. FreeStateProject.org slash Liberty Forum for more information and to get registered. That's FreeStateProject.org slash Liberty Forum. As we go back to the phones, back to the fun, let's talk to Tony in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Tony. Hey, I was just listening to that guy about the RFID chips. Yeah. I just read that book called uh, Spy Chips, and that's a real eye-opener. There's what? so much stuff in that book about, uh, you know, they're, they're hiring people to come and look at your trash uh, you know, and take these little readers and, and uh, you know, collect information. And I've heard that... You mean, uh, wait, wait, well, you mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean they're going to do that in the future or they're doing that now? Because there's not no, very many RFID that. chips out there now. No, they're doing that now. There's probably already stuff uh, that has RFID chips. I've looked on the Internet to try to look, uh, you know, for one of those readers. Mm -hmm. uh, but they are actually pretty cost prohibitive. I think the the cheapest one you can get on the internet I think is maybe uh, a couple hundred bucks and I don't even know if it plugs into your computer or not I mean so you're saying people are taking the the readers around to people's trash to find out what their consuming habits are that's right oh oh it's a scary book you ought to you, you ought to you know and and watch that movie uh, freedom to fascism but you know but read the book uh, spy chips because she knows all about that 
Um, you know, but I'll tell you what, though, as far as the Liberty issue, the, the RFID chips ought to be a no-brainer because uh, I, most people I talk to don't want those things. And uh, But uh, another thing was in that book, uh, they talked about uh, how there was this sort of superstore in, in Germany, um, and then uh, somebody found out that the cards that they were handing out had those RFID chips in them. And once the German public found out, they were just up in arms and had these big, huge demonstrations, and uh, they had to recall those cards, and the store, I think, mm-hmm. shut down or something like that. Well, I, don't, so, I still don't personally have an objection uh, over RFID as a technology and for it being used for consumer products and, and tracking and that sort of thing. My objection comes in when government gets involved. My objection comes in when government is, uh, wants to stick RFID chips onto your passport or into you or something like that, or government teams up with a company to look at their, uh, look at their numbers, to look at their customers' rec- purchasing records. When you, when you bring government into the, into the picture, then I think you've, you've got a problem. But otherwise, I don't see what the, uh, the problem is with RFID. It doesn't scare me that a store is going to know what sort of stuff I'm buying. I mean, I'm already on one of those membership card programs where they already know exactly what it is I'm buying. They don't have to go through my trash. I give it to them up front. They've got that information. Though I suppose somebody going through my trash would be a, a different company um, acquiring oh, that info. I, uh, usually when I go to a store, I just pay cash because I don't I, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm a little bit more on the privacy uh, kick. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't, there's, there's something about that. Uh, you just don't like the way it, it makes it, you feel. You don't like the uh, the pri- you feel like your privacy is being violated by these companies, basically. So well, okay, like the gentleman that had the RFID chip in his in his credit card. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, stores could set up uh, readers. I've heard that Target already does. This. I don't. I don't know. I haven't really uh, read on that. But uh, you know, you, you could walk into a store in the future, and these readers could automatically. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like uh, the world of, uh, you ever see that movie Minority Report? Where mm-hmm. Yeah, with Tom eyeballs. Right. Yeah, and then they automatically know who you are, and then they can, uh, you know, place, uh, you know, place ads that are sort of, uh, targeted. you know. Targeted advertising. Yeah, marketed mm-hmm. to you. Well, they can do that. You know, they're even talking about, uh, you know, maybe taking price tags off the shelves and, uh, you know, uh, you know, a loaf of bread would be five dollars to one person. Yeah, I think that's absurd. Will. I can't imagine that any company would get away with something like that. Like, how could they sell that to people? How could they? How could a company say that? How could a company get people through their door when people would know that the prices adjust according to a variety of factors about them uh, themselves? I wouldn't well, shop at a place exactly like that. How they could, I'll tell you exactly how they could sell it. They sell it as a security device. You know, just like. Uh, you know, that guy was talking about when he walked into the bank. and, and No, 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 uh, no, no, no. How would that make me more secure to have a price adjust on a shelf? Grocery stores point, grocery stores sell price. Grocery stores sell price. They send out circulars. I mean, people care how much, yeah. um, you know, a per pound hamburger is. They care that's how much absurd. a loaf of bread is. I don't see for a second that that's going to happen. Yeah, oh, if, I hope if, not. No, I mean, it's just looking at it from a retail perspective. I mean, as somebody who's worked in retail, uh, somebody who's a consumer, a shopper, um, if I don't know what that price is, and if that price isn't the same according to uh, anybody that happens to walk in front of the shelf, I sure as heck wouldn't shop at a store like that. I can't imagine many people would. Tony, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I think that what he was talking about there, because I've heard that claim before, I think that's probably something he, he read in that book mm-hmm. about something that they could do with these chips like it's technically possible to do mm-hmm. but the market won't bear it 
No, I don't see. I don't see Not how that's going to happen. Not for a moment. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go to Nico. He's back in Illinois. You're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Nico, attempt number two. Hello. Hey, hey. you're on the air. What's on your mind? All right. Sorry, my cell phone cut That's out. okay. Go for it. All right, but um, with the RFID thing, um, he was talking about how they put it. In, they could put it in trash cans um, to see what people are consuming and stuff. Well, they would be they'd be scanning your trash to see if you're throwing away any RFID chips, right? Like in packaging oh. and that sort of thing. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't. I thought you actually had it on your show, but I, it could have been on another show. But um, basically, what I heard was in England and Australia and stuff, they were in, in certain cities. They were um, doing a thing on the on the trash cans that the city provided, where they had RFID tags on there, so they can monitor. Um, what what trash is going in and out of the of the cans and stuff, and you know that way they can set restrictions on how much trash people throw out and stuff like that. Now, how could they? Um, how would an RFID chip have anything to do with uh, trash? I mean, an RFID chip just it just sits there unless a reader comes along and reads its information. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have anything to yeah. do with. I mean, it can't it can't weigh things. It can't uh, you know uh, calculate the amount of aluminum cans right. that's in a can. I don't understand exactly, Nico. But I'm saying, um, you know, if if there's, you know, stuff, you know, like a mechanical equipment already in these already in these cans that already, you know, allows them to weigh, you know, the trash and stuff like that, um, you know, I guess they could put it on an RFID RFID tag. I could be wrong. Yeah, it sounds kind of questionable. I mean, I understand that the governments like to spend a lot of money on boondoggles. Um, but to to imagine that they're going to have a, a trash self, can, a self weighing garbage right. can sounds really expensive. Yeah, with a, yeah with a scale built into it, I don't think that's going to be the case. It'd be cheaper for them to just put uh, a scale in the back of the garbage truck, dump the trash in, take the weight, yeah. and and jot it down. Uh, but nonetheless, there are certainly some things. And Nico, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Oh, there's a lot of disturbing things that could be done with RFID Absolutely. chips when it got you know when the government gets involved, and we're not trying to minimize that. But, um, you know, I don't want the government having that kind of information. They're only going to abuse it. 1-800-259-9231. That's where uh, I'm with you on that one, Mark. Governments and RFID chips should not be combined. Industry, the marketplace, let the market decide. The market will. I mean, like the, the caller said, the people in Germany allegedly rose up against one particular company. That was the market speaking there. Um, you take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. Brandon in Japan on the way, your calls as well. And teenagers playing house with real babies in the U.K. We'll tell you about it. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. That does include the updates. You get signed up for the updates, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That is updates. Dot freetalklive.com as we go to Brandon in Japan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Good morning, guys. Good morning, hey, Brandon. Brandon. What's on your mind? Not too much. Hey, I know you guys are talking a lot about RFIDs, but I want to switch it back over to private and public education again. Sure. Um, 
I, it was really interesting hearing, I, I forgot what his name was, but uh, he was a student who went to private school. Justin and in Utah, yes. Yeah, and made the transition back into uh, public school. And the first thing I would say to him is if, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a person who works in education, I really hate to use the word teacher, educator, um, because for me that has a kind of a very sour tang when I say that, um, and it's because of government education, is um, to Justin, if you're really interested in your education, I really suggest that you get out of government education and even if there is no high school, really seriously look at the possibility of maybe doing home education or self-education mm-hmm. um, or hiring a, a professional private tutor. It'll definitely cost you more money, um, but I think that the time that you'll save and the quality of your education will certainly benefit. Um, and that message really extends to all of the parents that are, that, are, uh, that are listening to the show in America. If you really love your kids, get your kids out of government education. Mm, I um, totally you really agree. Do, you know, because you're really doing your kids a disservice. And one of the one of the reasons why you know private educators are are so much better is you know a lot of private educators aren't teachers by education. A lot of them are former professionals um, hmm. who happen to now work in education and teach in the fields that they were professionals at. I see. So they already and, know the curriculum. They know what they're what they're teaching. Right. So I'd be really curious to talk to Justin and find out if those one or two really good teachers he has actually happen to be people who you know, got their education in a different field, um, kind of like I did, and then went back into education kind of either as a vacation or as um, kind of a change of pace after working in, the, in their profession for so long. Excellent questions. Um, and I like what you're saying. I like the message that you're putting out there for the parents. And it's, it seems harsh on its face, you know. Hey, if you love your kids, why are you sending them to government school? And I, I have to agree with it. In fact, um, my girlfriend, she was sort of forced out of uh, her government school because she, well, she had a problem with the, the vice principal at that particular school. And it was probably the, one of the best things that happened to her because she was forced out. She got the, uh, the GED and she moved on with her life. Um, if she wanted to, she could, go, uh, she could go to college. But she's, having, she's doing fine uh, in, the, in the working world without having uh, essentially even – I mean, she's got the diploma, right, from the GED, but she didn't get it the way most people uh, did. She didn't graduate high school like most people did, and it hasn't been a hindrance to her at all. And as Marcus pointed out, when you're applying for a job in life and they ask you if you have a high school diploma, no one ever checks. You just tell them you've got a high school yeah. diploma. They'll never know. It's really just right, useless. Absolutely. It's just a waste of time. Right. And, and the main point for that kind of stuff is, is can you do the job that they want you to do? Right. And, you know, you know it's, not, it's not the diploma. It's the education you get. And, um, yeah. you know, if, if you know the stuff that they're talking about, you know enough math and you know enough. I mean, I think that uh, English and, and uh, the ability to use the English language well is extremely important in the, uh, the working world. But, you know, that's my personal opinion. Very right, good. Absolutely. Brandon, any other thoughts? Um, no, not really. Just other than, um, you know, just a couple of, of points on, you know, one of the reasons why teachers, you know, you may, if you're working in education as a government education, I would also seriously encourage you to um, kind of reconsider your career path because you may be a very talented individual in the education industry, but because you're working for a government school, you're eventually going to get mired down in so much bureaucracy yeah. um, that I've seen a lot of education professionals who enter the enter the government schools very enthusiastic, very effective at teaching, for, you know, after three or four years, they're just completely burned out. And the only reason that they're there now is because they have so much money invested in their pension 
that they can't really see leaving. Yeah, I can understand them getting uh, definitely burnt out on the system. I've known some people that have worked in government schools, and uh, there was always a new story to tell, always some new bureaucratic blunder to talk about, some new mandated uh, training class that they had to go to that they just felt like they were wasting their time at, essentially spinning their wheels. And I could also understand that considering some of the kids that are in government school, because the the kids are in this sort of uh, area where learning isn't really encouraged in a way that the market would encourage it in, they don't really want to learn. They hate the government schools. They hate being there. So it could seem maybe to the teacher like the kids suck too. Not only does the system suck, but the kids suck. And I could really see how that could be overwhelming to somebody. Sure, absolutely. Brandon, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you as always. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line. Since we're talking about young people, the BBC, according to the Daily Mail, has outraged child protection experts by producing a reality television show where infants are handed over to live with teenage parents. Hmm. The Baby Borrowers charts the experience, the name of the show, Baby Borrowers, charts the experience of the teenagers as they struggle to cope with the demands of parenthood. Five couples, aged between 16 and 19, were filmed attempting to care for tiny babies and young children. Local authorities, uh, local officials were so concerned about the very real risk of physical and psychological damage to the children that they urged the BBC to cancel the series. So who's going to damage the uh, teenagers or the babies? The teenagers are going to damage the babies. I oh, I see. Because uh, you know, having a baby could really damage a teenager. In one episode, a ten. Now these aren't their real babies, though. You understand? They're, I understand. Right. Okay. Uh, in one episode, a ten-year-old goes without food for a day during what the BBC describes as a unique social experiment. On another occasion, a baby had to be removed from the care of one couple as their relationship fell apart. Yet the corporation ignored formal protests, refusing to allow social workers on the set to monitor filming, and has been accused of cynically putting babies and children at risk for the sake of entertainment. The BBC insists, however, that it has taken extraordinary steps to ensure the safety of the children and claimed that it had worked with one specialist charity to ensure the series was handled with sensitivity. Uh, But the charity, Teens and Toddlers, which runs classes for teenagers wanting a family in order to demonstrate the harsh reality of parenthood, denied taking any part in the program. Oh. Director Peter Hines said they felt uncomfortable when asked if they would get involved. He says, we were not sure about the supervision and professionalism of those involved. We didn't get enough details, and we declined to be involved further. The uh, the eight-episode fly-on-the-wall series will be shown on the digital channel BBC uh, over eight days. It features five teenage sets of parents who are moved into a street of empty houses on the edge of Norwich. After caring for their baby, the teenage couples are subsequently given a toddler to look after for three days. Then a child under 10, and finally a teenager. Up to 25 children aged between 6 months and 14 years old were used for the program. Mm. I think it sounds kind of interesting. Sounds like entertaining television yeah, to me. I don't, I don't see any real dangers here. Um, you know, Something terrible could happen, but... Something terrible could happen anytime. They anywhere. call it a they call it a fly on the wall program, which makes it sound like they're just going to be cameras in the house. But if there are actually camera men there with some sort of training, I'm sure that if the kids are, you know, suffocating the babies or why would they do that? shaking the babies, the cameramen would probably step in at that point and and say, hey, I hey, I can't hey. imagine that they would shake the babies. Well, you know, people shake babies. They do because they can't escape the baby. I right. mean, these teenagers know, hey. Worst case scenario, this baby's gone in six days. The BBC. All I got to do is manage to try to get some sleep and 
feed the baby now and then, and then I'm done with this crap. The BBC says it's designed to see how young people respond to being a parent at a time when Britain has the highest teenage pregnancy rate in Europe. Now, Britain may have the highest teenage pregnancy rate uh, in Europe, but the United States, of all developed nations, has the highest of all developed nations. Now, what is um, what is the name of the, uh, the, the social worker that's complaining here? Uh, some social bureaucracy. I didn't catch it, that. It's the name of the bureaucracy, not a social worker? I don't think it's one particular uh, worker. It's a, it's probably a group of them. Just trying to point out that this bureaucracy or whatever they are wouldn't have gotten their name in the paper and no one would have cared what the hell they were doing if it hadn't been complaining about this reality series. Some of the TV parents, so-called, even looked after two children at a time while just whilst juggling household budgets in their own relationships. The real parents of the babies and children watched the action unfold nearby via monitors, along with trained child care professionals and registered child minders. How about jobs? Like Did the me. teenagers have jobs at the same time? Because if you're just watching some kids and balancing your checkbook, you don't have a very busy day. I think you can handle it. Yeah, I wonder about that as well. Nonetheless, sounds like it'd be an interesting little experiment. More on the way. Your show, you take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. Bring up anything. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231 is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. And that does include the live streams that we have there and everything else at freetalklive.com that we do ask you for voluntary support. Those other radio talk show hosts want to charge you five, six, seven bucks a month for their website's features. We give it all away up front, but we do ask that you buy some stuff in return. Like some Free Talk Live branded merchandise, like our Free Talk Live hats and t-shirts, as well as DVD collector sets, the Free Marketeer flag, a variety of products there at store.freetalklive.com. That's where you can place your order and browse around, store.freetalklive.com. And... Another place you can shop and help Free Talk Live is at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. They are the world's largest Internet retailer. They've got 35 categories of products, everything from their brand-new grocery store. That's right. You can actually buy food at Amazon now uh, to the usual stuff, uh, DVDs, books, office products, furniture. It's all there. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Anything you purchase, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of. Oh, and I mentioned that there was uh, some space news, Mark, about private space travel with somebody who's... So at least a few degrees separated from Free Talk Live. It's the billionaire founder of Amazon.com. Oh, God. He's actually behind the, a uh, private space organization. And we've talked about the uh, Spaceship One, right? Right. We've talked about the uh, the X Prize. We've talked – there was another guy. I don't remember his name. There was another group that was looking uh, – that's, that's up. There's a, there's a variety of private mm-hmm. organizations now jumping into the space game. Now that it's legal, there's a lot of rich people that want to go to space, and they're willing to build spaceships to get there. Well, according to uh, the BBC, a, the billionaire founder of Amazon.com has released the first images of the launch of a private spacecraft that could bring space travel to the masses. A video of the cone-shaped Goddard vehicle shows it climbing to about 285 feet before returning back to Earth. So it's a rocket. That's that's correct. Okay. The, the test launch took place in November of 2006 in a remote part of Texas, but details have only now been released. The images mark the first time that Jeff Bezos has uh, Bezos has broken his silence on the work of his space company, Blue Origin. Writing on the company's website, Bezos said, quote, We're working patiently and step-by-step to lower the cost of space flight so that many people can afford to go, and so that we humans can better continue exploring the solar system. Now, look at that. I mean, look at that uh, vision statement there. 
and compare it to anything that NASA has ever said. What's NASA been talking about? They want to explore the solar system, but they want to keep it in their own camp. They don't want to allow anybody else up there. Well, they're, they're, they don't seem to be getting very far in the solar system. No. Um, you know, th- the last thing that we did with, that was really of any import, as far as I can tell, is walked on the moon in the 60s. Well, they sent, uh, they've sent a few satellites out there. They've sent yeah, the, uh, well, I, I would agree that putting the, the satellites from a commercial standpoint is, is a great thing. Well, now, the commercial people have been doing that on their own. I didn't mean satellites. I meant the Explorer thing. There's that, uh, that oh, some rocket cameras. that goes We've out. We've shot cameras into, the, into space. Yeah, it goes really far out to Pluto and stuff like that. Fabulous. But what about people? Right. There's no mission statement there for NASA. I mean, all we've done with people since the 60s is shoot them up into the air and let them circle the, uh, the Earth. They stay up there a period of time, and then they come back. Um, yeah. I'm sure they do all kinds of really valuable experiments while they're up there, like, you know, what direction does my hair grow when there's no <laughs> gravity? And, um, you know, is it possible to pee in space? Well, you say you have they've done val- valuable experiments from what we've seen in our uh, history of looking at NASA, critically looking at them on this show, turns out there hasn't actually been, or there haven't been, any real results no, the, from generally, the NASA experiments. Yeah, the, the great thing about uh, you know the space program has been what people have developed for, what companies have developed for the space program, right. not what has been um, developed as a result of the, um, you know, can beetles live in space stuff. So I'm looking at the, uh, I'm just looking at the NASA website to see if there's some sort of a, I don't know, mission statement, or it's just something that we could maybe compare to this this gentleman from Amazon.com. I don't see anything uh, that's jumping out at me here. Okay, here we go, about NASA. Uh, blah, 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 oh, there's the bureaucrats that are in charge. You can find out about them, frequently asked questions. I'll see if I can dig it up here, but in the meantime, we'll talk Amazon, because this guy's doing something for humanity. Uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon.com, his company Blue Origin, working patiently and step-by-step to lower the cost of spaceflight so that many people can afford to go and so that we humans can better continue exploring the solar system. I, right. I like it. You know, how much how much money is there going to be in the uh, first, you know, for the first company that can uh, get you up there and circle you around the Earth a few times? There's going to be a whole lot. A whole lot of people want to do that. They want to feel that weightlessness. They want to experience that. Then, then next comes the, you know, the uh, first space hotel, you know, a private space station mm-hmm. where they'll have rooms and you know that kind of thing. You can experience uh, being up there for days or weeks at a time, depending on how long you want to pay. Um, I, I, I just see a real industry here, just in space tourism, and we don't even have to get to the moon. What's the first question on the NASA right frequently asked questions file? How do I get a job at NASA? Uh, so we'll get back to uh, Amazon. He says, sure accomplishing this mission will take a long time, and we're working on it methodically. Mr. Bezos founded Blue Origin in 2000 with the intention of developing a vertical takeoff and landing vehicle called New Shepard, able to take passengers to the edge of space. No timescale for commercial trips have been announced, but documents released by the Federal Aviation Administration suggest they could start as early as 2010. The latest videos show there's still a lot of development work to do before the company reaches that stage. The footage shot in November from a site east of El Paso, Texas, shows the first craft to launch under the New Shepard program. Called Goddard, the retro-looking development vehicle is shown standing on four legs before blasting off in a cloud of smoke from thrusters on its base. The vehicle continues to ascend for approximately 10 seconds, reaching a height of nearly 300 feet. It then starts to descend before making a controlled landing back on its feet approximately 25 seconds after takeoff. The launch, described by Mr. Bezos as both useful and fun, was watched by friends, family, and a team of engineers. 
He says, my only job at the launch was to open the champagne, says Mr. Bezos. <laughs> the website message doesn't say whether the vehicle contained any passengers or why there was a delay between the launch and the release of the footage. Bezos now hopes to recruit a team of engineers to the New Shepard program to develop the design and increase the altitude and duration of flight. So you've got a, uh, you've got a proof of concept at this point. You've got a vehicle that was able to go up three, almost 300 feet and land on its feet when it returned. It's not going to take them long to, to tweak this. It, it amazes me that they can do that, that, that you can shoot it up yep. in the air like that, and then it can come back down and land on its own little feet. And this thing is not the size. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Goddard here picture, and, and, of course, we link to all these on our bulletin board system, so you'll be able to see it later on at freetalklive.com. But this uh, is being carried on the back of a semi-rig, unlike the space shuttle, which yeah. is this tremendously large device that hasn't, hasn't changed significantly in the last several decades. Mm. That's one of the neat things that you're going to see about private space exploration and space development is competition is going to really keep the uh, space vehicle small. It's going to keep them affordable. And Bezos and the other guys, Richard Branson, all those other people that are competing in this in this field, within a matter of years, we're going to start seeing space tourism. We're going to start seeing it become affordable because of these capitalists, these wonderful people with money to invest in the future of space travel. And it's their money that they're risking, not mine and not yours. You know, I wish that they would uh, just tell the FAA to go jump in a lake. I don't see any reason why um, somebody who's shooting a spacecraft pretty much straight up and down um, has anything to do with the FAA. Are we talking about uh, air highways up there, you know, uh, super corridors where planes are always going through? Please, it's air. I mean, it's three-dimensional. There's so much room for stuff up there. I just can't imagine the FAA needs to be involved in this. So Bezos is looking for engineers, looking specifically for experienced propulsion engineers and people with, quote, experience on large modern vehicles such as Delta IV or Atlas V. Blue Origin is one of several private companies vying to open up space to the public. U.S.-based Space Adventures has already taken four space tourists to the International Space Station, while in September of 2006, Sir Richard Branson unveiled a mock-up of a rocket-powered vehicle that will carry six passengers, and two pilots to an altitude of about 85 miles. His Virgin Galactic design is based on Spaceship One, the craft designed by Scaled Composites that won the Ansari X Prize in 2005. The first passengers could take off in 2009. So you've got 2010 being a target date for Bezos from Amazon. You've got uh, Richard Branson targeting 2009 for the first passengers in his vehicle. Other entrepreneurs jostling for their place in space, this is the one I was trying to remember, include hotel tycoon Robert Bigelow, who launched Genesis 1, an experimental inflatable spacecraft, in July of 2006. So there you've got at least three different competitors that we know of. And Bezos, we didn't know that he'd even successfully launched his uh, vehicle until just now, and he did it back in November. So who knows what other things are being kept under wraps? Who knows what other developments are going on out there? I think it's pretty exciting, Mark. I think I would have to totally agree. And um, I haven't been excited about space since I was a kid, right? You know, who, once, you, once, you get, once you get to be a teenager, then NASA gets boring, because NASA is boring. It's but, a bunch of bureaucrats. Right. And NASA's uh, pathetic. Uh, as far as its failure rate is concerned, they very rarely launch anything. And of the times, the few times that they actually do launch things, you get spacecraft going up in flames, Sometimes. parts falling all across the United States. That could happen um, to any company, but it, it could. seems like um, putting bureaucrats in charge of building things, it's more likely. It's, it's, you know, it it's close enough for government way. work, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. 800-259-9231. Hour 3 is on the way. You take control. They're going to go through your mail, perhaps. We'll tell you about it. Coming up, it's Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, kicking off Hour 3, your show. You take control, bring up anything, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That's the packet, 8.net, toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231 for all your voice over IP needs, packet8.net. You know, Mark, speaking of packet8, uh, I was uh, my roommate and I were sort of poking around, looking at phone prices this afternoon, just you know, doing our due diligence. I could have said, go with packet8, they're the best price. And I just wanted to make sure that that was actually the case. Turns they out are the best they are price. the best price. Mm-hmm. I mean, not over, not just of voice over IP, but of any phone provider out there. Vonage, I, I mean, think Verizon vo- wants like forty bucks for the same thing that Packet Eight. It's talks. amazing, just 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 from the name recognition. So there you go, Packet8.net. All right, so we got lots to talk about, but your calls are primary, so we go to the phones. And Rich in Texas, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Rich, what's on your mind? Uh, well, I was just, uh, I'm, I'm a podcast listener, and uh, this is my first time calling in. Congratulations. And I just wanted to address something that uh, Mark had mentioned uh, on, yes, I believe it was yesterday's show, where he uh, equated the uh, uh, Libertarian uh, Party's pledge to uh, anarchy. Mm-hmm. And, he did. Uh, and I think, I think that's incorrect. I think that uh, what that equates to is a government that, uh, that steps in uh, only when I try to hurt you or take your stuff. Well, how does that government that steps in um, when only when you try to hurt me and take my stuff, how does that government exist and pay for itself? Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's the, uh, there's, there's the, well, traditionally through taxes. But, right. right. It, it went through taxes, but at that point it's initiating violence upon you. That's right, right, so right. It couldn't, right. it couldn't right. exist who's, in this. Who's to, um, say, who's to say that it can't be Voluntary organization. Ah, but then it's no longer a government. It's not a government if it's voluntary. I mean, you know, no more than Citibank is your government. Okay. There's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with voluntary organizations. I not mean, that's not as far I, as Ian's concerned. That's what I support, absolutely. But to, to say that you can have a government be voluntary is a contradiction in terms. Government, by its nature, is a, an organization with a monopoly on coercive force. It governs. Right. Government right. is is an okay, government yeah, yeah. is an I, I see your point. I see your point. Right. It's 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 the um, opposite of freedom. You cannot have true liberty if government is around. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's, hey, I, I like the I like the oath and, uh, myself. Hey, Sorry, I like the oath myself, and uh, y- you know, I I really like the way it sounds. But um, once I you know once it was brought to my attention, and I realized it. You know, it's it's an anarchist uh, slogan. It's it's not an anarchist slogan. It's a uh, free and the liberta- market slogan. And the Libertarian Party shouldn't be run by the anarchists either. It's not run by the anarchists. But if you, somebody disagrees with them, boy, will you hear the biggest hooping and... You damn well should oh my hear God, they're pulling our legs off. Rich, any other thoughts for us? No, that's it. You guys are great. Thanks, Thanks man. man. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. So we were talking about uh, young people last hour. We're going to talk about the male here in a moment. But we're, we've been talking about sort of young people in schools and cheerleaders. And we mm. hit, uh, we hit the, the story about the, the kids in Great Britain who are taking care of babies on television. And, uh, well, let's talk about their... Uh, the words that young people tend to use, or just people in general, actually, apparently. Uh, according to Reuters, 
It would be awesome if Tomcat and other combined nicknames for celebrity couples went missing in the new year, according to a Michigan University um, saying on Sunday its annual list of cliches deserving banishment. That's the report that they published. The Lake Superior State University's 32nd annual list of words banished from the Queen's English for misuse, overuse, and general uselessness featured such linguistic gems as Gitmo for the U.S. base in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. <laughs> I think Cuba. that's kind of clever. Euphemisms such as undocumented alien and such internet-infected synonyms as PWN, as in the phrase, I own pwned. you. Yeah, pwned. Yeah, I don't know how that one came about. That must have just it's been... It's a typo. Yeah, it The must P's have been, right next to the O. Right, it must have been somebody who was playing in a game, like a first-person shooter, and they were just typing so fast, they just hit PWN, and it somehow spun out of control into this just widely used... Um, uh, what do you call a word like that? I mean, it's not really even a word. It's just a saying. I don't know. It's a word. I mean, it, it, I guess it is a word. It it's was a manufactured, created. fake, weird word. Uh, the Salt St. Marie Michigan University's public relations staff culled its list of 16 cliches from 4,500 submissions, many of which demanded that something be done to stop the onslaught of the word awesome. Overused and meaningless, complained contributor Robert Braun, writing to the list makers from Thailand. My mother was hit by a car. Awesome. I just got my college degree. Awesome. You know, Mark, I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's because I don't get out amongst the kids. But I didn't know that awesome had made a comeback. I, you know, awesome is a word from the the eighties, is from what I can yeah. tell. But um, I'll use it from time to time. But uh, I use it in the correct way, like. You're awesome, full of awe. I feel full of awe in your presence. That would be awful. That's what awesome means. That would be awful. Awful? Awful. You're full of awe. I don't think so. I, think I the, don't know about I think that. those words probably have simil- similar roots. But um, either way, etymology, I think, is uh, the right term. You know, I don't, th- I don't have a problem with awesome as an exclamation. Um, I mean, cool, wow, neat, zonkers. Who cares? Um, you've got to have exclamatory words, and so that's a I common I exclamatory think, word. I don't think awesome should be on this like. list unless awesome is being used inappropriately, in which case I could understand where they're coming from, but I've never heard it used that way. Like. Like is, a, oh my gosh. That, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah that like, we've, we sort of do the like challenge whenever somebody comes on Free Talk Live and uses that word in an inappropriate way. I like too to hit, often. I enjoy hitting them with a, the buzzer sound, but mm-hmm. we haven't actually had one of those in a while. So uh, The list, by the way, gave short shrift to media. Shorthand for celebrity duos such as Tomcat for the union of Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes or Brangelina for Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. They say, how would Lardy have sounded as a nickname for long-ago comedians Laurel and Hardy or Bog Call for Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall? (laughs) The list compilers asked. Media bashers also... I love the idea that they're using these celebrity hookup nickname things. (laughs) Media bashers also welcomed banishment of the phrases gone missing or went missing. And uh, with the celebrity thing, it's really just more of a reflection of the America, uh, the American people's obsession with celebrity. Their obsession with these Hollywood personalities who so many Americans get lost in the entertainment world. They don't even have their own lives. Their personal free time is spent uh, poring over Entertainment Weekly and People Magazine and reading what Brangelina is going to do next. And what Tom Catter doing this weekend? And who got married in the uh, in Tahiti? Who cares? I, I would agree with you. Americans who, need who to cares? get a life. But I think that the uh, what we're talking about here with Tom Cat and Brangelina or what, whatever these uh, these celebrity mm-hmm. hookup nicknames are, um, 
I think what you're talking about there is you're talking about people that are care about what's hip, what's going on, what's exciting, what's new, yeah. and those sort of people are going to want you know new exciting names. Terms. So the uh, the the authors are simply providing them with what they want. It's true. The same goes for, uh, they say, the, the, the gone missing phrase makes missing sound like a place you can visit, <laughs> such as the Poconos, wrote the contributor uh, from uh, Robin, Robin Dennis. The same goes for a robbery gone bad, which raises the question of whether a theft should go well and good, the list makers say. Similarly, reporters uncovering the immigration issue should try again after coming up with undocumented alien, which was compared to euphemistically calling a drug dealer an undocumented pharmacist. The list also decried the use in everyday speech of the internet typographical error PWN, which, as used when a game player tells his defeated opponent, I PWN you, instead of own you. Truthiness, popularized by <laughs> comedian Stephen Colbert. As I think that's a great word. As long as you know what the definition of truthiness is, which is, it just, it's like the truth. It has, it's covered in truthiness, truth, although it, it's uh, not. Apparently, comedian Stephen Colbert defined it as uh, truth unencumbered by the facts, May have been named as one of the top U.S. television buzzwords of last year in August by the Global Language Monitor. But on this list, it's overstated. It's welcome. The list also suggested that the partners of pregnant women might save some embarrassment by avoiding we're pregnant when only one of you is, said the list. <laughs> as for those enticing real estate advertisements that boast of amenities, contributor Morris Conklin, writing from Portugal, noted that the ads never say the bathroom apologizes for cracked linoleum or kitchen laments pathetic placement of electrical outlets. <laughs> Finally, contributor Joy Wiltsis of Ford Collins, Colorado, wanted to correct the sounds healthy comment in reference to a nutritious lunch, such as a fish sandwich. If my lunch were healthy, it would still be swimming somewhere. <laughs> Grilled and nestled in salad greens, it's healthful. You know, I love those uh, the, the, the books that you see in, when you go to like Staples and Office Max and those kind of places. Have you seen the eat shoots and leaves with the pandas on the front? I've not. If you put um, a comma in, you know, the, um, if you remove a comma, then the panda eats shoots with a gun and then leaves rather than eating shoots and leaves i just i it's cute great 800-259-9231 so just some fun with language there your calls about anything on the way they're going to go through your mail and maybe pat robertson has a crystal ball for you in the future this is free talk live it's your show you bring up anything. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got the bulletin board system there with over 160,000 posts, over 1,300 people interacting. It's a lot of fun. There's serious issues being discussed as well as fun stuff as well. Freetalklive.com. Actually, if you go to bbs.freetalklive.com, that'll take you right to the bulletin board system. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Com. Does your company have a bunch of unpaid receivables just sitting out there? Try SACL CAI. They do collection in a whole new way. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. They record every customer interaction so you can check their work. Let SACL CAI handle all of your accounts receivable needs. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. SACL, C-A-I. To the phones, to the fun. John in New York, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, John. Hi, how's it going? Great. What's on your mind? Um, I, I, recently, I was on the internet, and i seen this video. It's called Screw Loose Change. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a counter video that's attacking Loose Change's uh, claims that 911 was an inside job. It actually explains a lot of... Uh, 
facts that, that show that those buildings actually could have went down because of fire. Not just that, it explained the plane that hit the Pentagon. They're saying that if a missile had hit that plane, then how could five light poles went down? A missile is not large enough to take down those planes. And it showed extra images of what had happened that day. Like in Loose Change, they didn't show a power generator that got hit while the plane was going down. Yeah, there's all kinds of, uh, I mean, the, the loose change video is all kinds of just inaccurate, uh, just bad uh, investigation, bad reporting, a lot of hype. And uh, I haven't seen the video you're referring to, but I've heard a lot about it. It's supposed to be pretty good. There's also some great websites out there uh, that are also that outline uh, with with citations of sources, which Loose Change very rarely does uh, during its runtime. Uh, the the counterclaims, the people that are debunking Loose Change, have all kinds of sources and all kinds of information for people to dig through. And uh, I think it's good that you uh, that you brought it up, John. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, when I first saw Loose Change, I thought it was the truth. I, I, I thought that everything was factual, but after watching this, uh, the Screw Loose Change video, I'm starting to realize, yeah, there are a lot of openings. And It makes I mean, you realize how easily manipulated uh, we can be, right? Because I agree with you. When I saw Loose Change, I thought, wow, man, they really did a great job with that. And they did. They did a wonderful editing job, and they did a wonderful production job, but only because it led you to believe certain things that were just not backed up by evidence. Yeah, they, they edited the, uh, and produced the facts. Yep, and so essentially, um, let's see, oh gosh, I forget the, uh, loosechangeguide.com was the other website. So if you enjoyed the video, you should go to loosechangeguide.com, and they just step-by-step, you'll probably see a lot of the same stuff there. Also, 911myths.com is another good one. So these are the debunking sites, the sites that are debunking the conspiracy theories. Does does this mean that um, I believe that the government wasn't behind it? Mm, I don't know who was behind it. I don't know, I don't believe the government story, and I don't believe the conspiracy theorists either. And as we pointed out before, it doesn't matter who was behind 9-11. What matters is what has happened as a result. And that is that government has gotten bigger, more intrusive, more oppressive than it ever has been. And that's what we're fighting against. Yes. John, any other thoughts for us? No, no. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. We're glad you're out there, and thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. When I saw the uh, Loose Change Guide... And read through that. I mean, it was uh, I it, it had locked my attention because it was so interesting, because I was realizing that I had been duped, hmm. and it made me feel like a sucker, and I was. And a lot of other people have been suckers who have seen loose change. I remember I had a friend of mine, my old roommate, came by uh, from he was visiting from California when I was down in Florida, and he he had uh, he said, "Oh, I've got this video you've got to see, man," and. What do you think it was? Well, it was Loose, loose change. change, and he was talking about how it was made by some guys in California, and it's an underground video, and it's being distributed. He was really excited about it. You know, he thought he'd really stumbled onto something important. And, uh, you know, I didn't, it was hard to... And it was Loose Change. Right, it was hard to tell him. At that. I mean, at that point, I hadn't seen Loose Change Guide, but I knew enough that uh, it, was just, it was questionable at that point in my mind, and I just felt kind of bad for him, you know, because he was going around telling his friends about it, with me, it was okay because I understood. You know, I, I I understand what the conspiracy theorists are out there doing, and I I feel sort of sorry for people that are sort of suckered in by their by their claims. But with other people who might have had more respect for him at that time, had he come and shown the, uh, that video to to them, if they hadn't been persuaded and convinced, they might have been persuaded to think that he was a nut job, and that makes me feel bad because I like the guy. I I don't know. I mean, I. I'm not sure that the people would think that entirely. You know, I mean, people realize that it's it's a well-produced little film, mm-hmm. and um, 
you know, the people can get uh, excited by things like this. Eh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I just feel like you, you can alienate some, some friendships by, uh, by going around showing conspiracy videos to people. That's all. I mean, maybe they're the close mind, more close-minded of your friends. But I think if you pound your friends with them, you can alienate right. them. Um, it just if, if you pound them with uh, membership in the, the Cub Scouts sure. or your local church, you're going to alienate good them. Good point. Good point. Um, I, I got mean, that feeling, though. I got that feeling of, oh, boy, uh, you know, uh, is he going to ask me to sign up for a, a network marketing firm next? You know, I kind of got that feeling like, oh, boy. Oh, no. He's been suckered in. That kind of feeling. Like, you, you you feel a little bit, you you don't feel quite as good about your old friend as you might have beforehand. Mm. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm just t- saying how I felt about it as somebody who understood what the conspiracy theory was. I don't know how somebody who would feel, I don't know how somebody would feel had they not well, even understood what the conspiracy theories wanted. I, I had uh, a friend, um, I wouldn't call them a close friend, but, you know, somebody, I, a lady I knew at church. She proposed to me in, in conversation at one point that uh, the Oklahoma... Um, bombing uh, was an uh, gover- uh, was some sort of government conspiracy. Mm-hmm. I dismissed what she said as uh, kookery, but you know it didn't make me think any. You, you know, didn't think any less of her. I didn't think any less of her. I mean, you know, she just she's got some weird theory on the Oklahoma, um, you know, bombing thing. What if she'd said uh, she wanted you to watch a video about it? If it would depend on how convenient it was for me to watch the video, but uh, you know, if she wastes, you know, s- you know, spends too much time on it, then I wouldn't have been interested. Evangelical broadcaster Pat Robertson, according to the AP, said Tuesday that God has told him that a terrorist attack on the United States would cause a mass killing in late 2007. All right, Mark, let's make a note. Uh, Let's make a note for the end of 2007 to find out if a terrorist attack in the United States has caused a mass killing. Now, he says, I'm not necessarily, because, I mean, he's saying God has spoken to him. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, if he's Pat Robertson, he is a religious leader. People follow this man. He's, he's got like the, the Pope of Christianity. He's got the hotline to God. Right. So, like the, now, the Pope's supposedly the only person in the world who can actually talk to God. So, I'd like to see Pat and the Pope go kind of one-on-one to, to prove who really does talk to God. I mean, it, What are you going to do, ask God questions? And, you know, whoever gets the most answers right. Wins. I don't know. I just would like to see them argue with one another as to, to show, like, because the Pope's going to say he's the only one who can talk to God. Mm. But then Pat's going to say, no, no, I talk to God, too. And I'd just like to see, you know, Pat, maybe he could prove it, mm. that he talks to God. And in fact, if I'd like mass, to see the Pope prove it. If this mass killing happens, then maybe Pat really does talk to God. He says, well, though, he does say, I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be nuclear. He said during his news and talk television show on the 700 Club, the Lord didn't say nuclear. God didn't tell me nuclear. But I do believe it will be something like that. Robertson what, what's said, like nuclear? God, uh, well, I don't know. Not me either. A big bomb. <laughs> but you have big bombs, and then you have nuclear bombs, and the difference is night and day. Robertson, not an expert in, uh, in military warfare. But Neither is Pat Robertson, apparently. That's what I said. Robertson, not uh, an expert. He said God did tell him about the impending tragedy during a recent prayer retreat. We'll get into the details here. 800-259-9231. Maybe you talk to God. You can share that with us as well. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, 
completely free. That includes the Shrine of Female Listeners, the archives, the wiki, the updates, all of it on the house at freetalklive.com. And register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, Attaining Economic and Personal Freedoms in America's Freest State. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Pat Robertson, he's the religious leader and uh, a Christian religious leader, host of the 700 Club on the Christian Broadcasting Network, got on the air apparently on uh, Tuesday or recently, and claimed that he's been talking with God. And God told him that there was going to be a terrorist attack on the United States in 2007. As he described it, it would be a mass killing. Now, God didn't tell him that it was going to be a nuclear attack. He did, though, say it would be something like that. Mm -hmm. God said he told him about this during, or I guess Robertson said God told him about this, uh, during a recent prayer retreat, God also said, he claims, that major cities and possibly millions of people will be affected by the attack, which should take place sometime after September. Now, he's saying, you know, he's hemming and hawing, he's hedging his bets a little bit. Maybe it'll take place sometime after September, but he's pretty much saying that in 2007, the word of God is that there's going to be a massive terrorist attack here in the United States. So... I guess if there's not a massive terrorist attack by the end of 2007, we've proven that Pat Robertson either can't talk to God or there's something wrong with the connection. Maybe it's a little hissy, a little bit of static on the line at the time when they're, they're having their little chats. He suggested in January... I don't know why he does this stuff. Uh, I guess his flock eat it up, don't you think? I would, I would guess that his uh, screws have come loose. Well, he's still on television. He's still in charge of the Christian Broadcasting Network, and he probably still has people watching him eating up this information. Can you imagine the Christians that watch this guy sitting there saying, Reverend Pat, oh, we're packing our supplies right now. We're ready, Reverend Pat. You tell us You tell us what to do. We'll do anything you say. I mean, can you imagine somebody listening to this man and thinking he's got a head on his shoulders, thinking that he's conscience, uh, that, he ha- that he's sane? No. Well, there are people that think that. Uh, Otherwise, he wouldn't be as popular as he is. Robertson suggested in January of 2006 that God punished then-Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon with a stroke for ceding Israel-controlled land to the Palestinians. The broadcaster predicted in January of 2004 that President Bush would easily win re-election. Bush won 51% of the vote that fall, beating Democratic Senator John Kerry of Massachusetts. Uh, Would that be easily winning? Eh, Could be argued. The 2005 Robertson uh, in in 2005 Robertson predicted that Bush would have victory after victory in his second term. He said social security reform proposals would be approved and Bush would nominate conservative judges to federal courts. Lawmakers confirmed Bush's 2005 nominations of John Roberts and Samuel Alito to the Supreme Court, but the president's social security initiative was stalled. I guess God wasn't too in, t- in touch with that one. Hmm. All that predestination stuff, maybe it's not for real after all. He says, I have a relatively good track record, he says. Sometimes I miss. He is a psychic. He's the nation's most uh, vaunted psychic at this point. (laughs) Pat Robertson. In May, Robertson said God told him that storms and possibly a tsunami were to crash into America's coastline in 2006. Now, even though the U.S. was not hit with the tsunami, Robertson on Tuesday cited last spring's heavy rains and flooding in New England as partly fulfilling the prediction. Man, he... 
<laughs> he is there's gonna a be, psychic. There's going to be flooding everywhere. This I mean, is excuse what me, somewhere do. in America there's going to be flooding This is what a psychic will do. A psychic who makes a, pr- a prediction, and it's very rare, like the professional psychics will not make as uh, dramatic or, uh, or time-sensitive predictions as Pat is, so he really needs to take a few classes on how to be a psychic effectively, mm-hmm. because uh, if you make more specific predictions, then when those predictions don't come true, it's easier to hold your feet to the flame. So in this case, what psychics try to do is they'll try to worm their way out by finding something that they can sort of, you know, shove a square peg into a circle hole, basically. And uh, and he, he say, well, uh, okay, there was no tsunami, but uh, the the heavy flooding, that was it. That's what God meant. Yeah. Such such classic uh, behavior on the part of a uh, scam artist. Tripe. A bunko man. <laughs> 800 The packet 8 toll-free lines. Maybe you've got predictions Maybe you've been talking to Jesus. Let's go to Al in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark on the Amplifier line. Hey, Al. Yeah, I understand that the trans fatty acid uh, or trans fatty ban in New York has taken effect. Yeah. Oh, it's as, of, take effect. as of the first of the year, it, it sounds like it's about right, yeah. yeah. I just want the good people of New York to know not to worry that me and the boys here in Chicago have plenty of stills brewing up, lots of trans fatty stuff to ship to them. Later on this year, they're going to have plenty of trans fats to eat in New York. See, this is what happens when you uh, outlaw something. The the, the mob gets involved. I mean, listen to him. Yeah, we'll ship the the trans fats to you. And if you don't pay... (laughs) <laughs> Me and the boys from Chicago will break your legs. Hey, we'll give you a concrete we got, we barrier. Got the, we got the, the trucks are all lined up. They're ready to deliver the stuff. <laughs> just waiting for the demand to really hit. Yeah. <laughs> well, and when, that, when that band hits, you'll be rolling in some dough there, Al. Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, but the thing is, is that the people of New York, they're going to want their trans fats. Sure they are. And and we're we're happy to supply them. Of course you and, are. And um, just as you're happy to supply cigarettes under the uh, the market price, as, as you're happy to supply anything that the government passes a law against. Really, you know, you wonder sometimes if the mafia is actually directly connected with the politicians and that they help lobby for these laws. Like when the when a politician comes up with some idea... You're saying, shh, be quiet, don't don't let them in on the... Don't, don't give it away. <laughs> it's okay, don't Al. No one away. listens to Free Talk Live, so uh, nobody will get any ideas. Thanks for the call, man. Well, we appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. We got the mob we... amplifying Free Talk Live. We, we know, you know, you know as well as I do, that Rush, that we constantly scoop, scoop Rush. I believe that Rush Limbaugh listens to this show for show prep. We did scoop him on, uh, the, let's see, I was listening to him for a little while the other day. What did we scoop him on? It was the story about we oh, scoop man. him all the time. Yeah, we have we have scooped him. We were on earlier. We were on uh, you know we're at sort of the beginning of the news day as it were. Yeah. So eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So there you go. One of the uh, the mobsters in Illinois listening to Free Talk Live amplifying the show. Hey, I'll Great. take it where I can get it. Yeah. I don't complain. I don't care where you got your money from as long as you send it to me. <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Hey, Mark, you got something about the uh, government going through people's mail. What's happening there? Uh, not only are they, um, you know, cl- going through people's mail, but they're claiming that nothing's changed. Hey, hey, nothing's new here. Uh, AP Washington, a uh, signing statement attached to postal legislation by President Bush last month, may have opened the way for the government to open mail without a warrant. The White House denies any change in policy. 
The law requires government agents to get warrants to open first-class letters. But when he signed the Postal Reform Act, Bush added a statement saying that his administration would construe that provision in a manner of consistent to the maximum extent permissible with the need to conduct I'm searches. I'm glossing over. What? <laughs> um, with the need to con- conduct searches in ex- exigent circumstances. Meaning that, you know, if, if we've got to go through your mail, we will. Okay. You know, so always, you know, if we feel like it, we will. It's an exigent circumstance. Yeah. The signing statement ra- um, raises we serious. Said so. yeah. the, re- the signing statement raises serious questions as to whether he is authorizing the opening of mail contrary to the Constitution and to laws enacted by Congress, said Ann Beeson, an attorney with the American Civil Liberties Union. What is the purpose of the signing statement if that isn't it? She said that the group is planning to file a request for information on how this exemption will be used and also asking whether it has already been used to open mail. White House Press Secretary Tony Snow said, There's nothing new with the signing statement. In his daily briefing, Snow said, All this is saying is that there are provisions at law for, in exigent circumstances, for inspections. It's been thus. This is um, not a change in law. And this is not new. Have you ever gotten any mail that has been opened? Like, blatantly torn open like not something that could have happened just by it falling out of the truck or something like that like something that was absolutely open have you i have 800-259-9231 it's kind of spooky when it happens more on the way this is your show it's free talk live this is free talk live only moments remain in this program just enough time for your uh, your phone call at 800-259-9231 that's the packet eight dot net toll free line one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You know all the features there are totally free. And we're voluntarily asking you to step up and support the show. It's up to you. All the features are on the house. So this is above and beyond what you get on the website. We're just asking for your support at amp.freetalklive.com. And so far, over 300 of our listeners have stepped up and provided it for as little as $3 a month. Now, what happens is... You send in the $3 a month, and it's automatically deducted either from your PayPal account or your any major credit card, so it's easy. You don't even have to think about it once you're done with it. Automatically deducted, sent to us, and we turn it around into promoting, advertising, and marketing Free Talk Live, thereby getting Free Talk Live on more radio stations around the country. And uh, we're going to have a major station to announce officially soon, which I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's getting us on more stations. It's getting more Internet listeners on board. And the cumulative result is that more people... More new people are going to find the message of freedom and liberty, and that's going to be a good thing. I would agree. All right, so amp.freetalklive.com to learn more and get signed up. That's amp.freetalklive.com. We're talking about the mail, and there's a story that you're uh, sharing with us, Mark, uh, that the Postal Service, apparently there was some signing statement that the president did recently that Mm -hmm. essentially, uh, what did the signing statement do exactly? And please don't read the uh, legalese again. Essentially allowed, um, well... The, the president made a signing statement that said, well, you know, um, normally we would need a search warrant, but under exigent circumstances, we can search mail without one. And, right. And then and then the post office stepped in and said, hey, hey this is nothing. This is not news. No, well, this has no, been no. going on forever. Right? Tony Snow, the, uh, the, the White House press secretary, was, was oh, saying okay. all that. Oh, please, ladies and gentlemen, please ignore the man behind the mirror. Tony Spin. Yes, absolutely doing it. So um, Postal Vice President Tom Day added... It's been the long-standing practice. First-class mail is protected from unreasonable search and seizure when in postal custody. Nothing. Right. If we have a reason, then we'll do it. <laughs> right. Nothing in Postal Accountability or Enhancement Act changes this protection. The president right. is not exerting any new authority. 
um, Schumer critical of the action. However, um, Senator Charles E. Schumer, Democrat in New York, criticized Bush's exact. Every American who wants foolproof protection against terrorism, um, but history, um, but history has shown that it can and should be done within the confines of the Constitution. This last-minute irregular, unauthorized reinterpretation of a duly passed law is the exact type of maneuver that voters so resoundingly rejected in November. So, um, I, I don't know. It, it seems to me that when the president can just add these signing statements, mm-hmm. he's writing law. Yes, he and is. And that is... Or exempting himself from law. It's, it, it's unconstitutional. Period. Oh, shh. Whatever. Who I mean, cares about that old thing anyway, right? The president either signs into law or doesn't sign into law the legislation that passes through the um, the House and the Senate. Not anymore. And he doesn't now get he gets to, to add things. Otherwise, he's he's a king. I mean, he he's is. Not, he's he's part of the executive branch. He's not part of the legislative branch. He, he is get, the government, Mark. He, he really is, is America. It, it so it would <laughs> appear. I mean, if he can just say, nah, I can look through your mail if I want to, or you know. Uh, you know, disdain that uh, my little minions can do it. Then, then he's king. Yeah, and not only is is he he might doing be an elected king for four years, but he still seems to have unlimited the powers power. of the yeah powers of a dictator. And not only is he doing these things, but he's doing them with the tacit consent and approval of the other branches of government, because nobody is stepping in and saying, "Hey, hey, Mr. President." This yep. isn't something you can do. This constitution, the constitution is the uh, the set of rules that you must run your office by, and there's nothing in there about signing statements, and you can't do this, and we're going to impeach you, or we're going to throw you out of office, right. or whatever. Nothing is being done. They just all say, oh, okay. you know, they'll they'll impeach, <laughs> they'll they would impeach um, Clinton over um, blowjob, yeah, in the White House, yeah. but this is actually what they're not supposed to be doing. I could care less about uh, you know the former. Uh, the latter, whatever. The former, the, the um, BJ. I, I could care less about that. I'm more, much more concerned with the president using his powers to make laws. Yeah, but apparently no one else is very concerned. Apparently not. Just, 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 there are a few news reports about it. Some American people are getting outraged, but apparently they aren't involved with the government. They're all protecting one another is what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're protecting one another, scratching each other's backs, as they've always done. Now, I was talking about uh, mail being opened up, because that's what this is all about, them right. uh, just breaking into your mail. And I've had it happen to me. It hasn't happened since I moved up to New Hampshire, but it did happen down in Florida a few times. Not a bunch of times, but a few times where it was obvious that the mail had been opened. Like, somebody in the Postal Service had just decided to open up one of my packages and rummage through it and then deliver it. And there's nothing I could do about it, Mark. I couldn't call up the post. Well, first of all, I know that if I'd wanted to do something about it, nothing would have ended up happening. Right. There was some sort of issue my girlfriend had at one time with the post postal service where she tried to get some make goods from them, yeah. and she spent hours on the phone with them, just bouncing waiting. from bureaucrat right. to bureaucrat. And then because... they gave her like twenty dollars in free stamps to make good. And I don't have that t- sort of time, nor does nor does that really what's going to uh, make me happy. Look, you're breaking into my mail. And there's no way to determine who the postal bureaucrat was that did it. Even if I was to call them up and say, hey, I got this uh, priority mail package, and uh, it's been opened. They would say, well, we're sorry, sir. Uh, there's Terribly nothing sorry we can about do that. about that. Right. There's just nothing they can do. Right. And then they'd pass me around from bureaucrat to bureaucrat. There's no way to tell who it was because there's no tracking on these packages. There's no way to know who was handling these uh, these packages. It's not like UPS or uh, or the or FedEx where you can go in and if there's a problem with the delivery on a package, they'll give you a refund. They'll uh, do what it takes to make you happy. Do right. what it takes to keep your business. Something. 
But you know, the post office doesn't care because they know they're they're a government sponsored monopoly. Right. They are the only ones that can deliver mail, first class mail, um, underneath. Uh, a dollar. And how dare I even complain, right, Mark? I mean, don't you want to keep the country safe from terrorism? Why are you complaining about them opening select packages? I should feel good about that. I could have been transporting uh, terrible chemical weapons through well, the mail. But, I could have been transporting cash for money laundering purposes. But postal, postal Vice President Tom Day says it's been longstanding practice that first-class mail is protected from unreasonable search and seizure when in postal custody. Right, well, apparently it's reasonable when it's in postal custody. It's reasonable for them to do whatever the hell they want right. because there are rulers. They're immune from consequences. Not only are they the rulers, but it doesn't matter. It, anybody in the line can open your package and say, oh, it came to me like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know why it's, why it's open. Yeah. You can't track it back. 800-259-9231 to the email box quickly here from Benjamin. He says, hey, this is Mr. Ollie. I'm 17 from Chicago and had a quick couple of questions for you guys. I started listening to your show in April and continue listening to the podcast on the way to and from school on the train. I noticed something disturbing while having a discussion in my philosophy class. We got into a discussion of politics, and everyone was bragging about who they voted for, since a lot of my classmates are 18. Everyone voted Democratic. My teacher asked them why they had voted for that particular party, and here's the sickening part. They all voted for Democrats because their parents, teachers... And other friends also voted Democrat. Yeah, I would say that that's uh, largely the, what kids do. They have absolutely no idea what the Democratic Party stands for, yet they vote blindly for them. And I think this is a major issue, says Benjamin, due to the fact that it seems that the vast majority of 18-year-olds go to vote just because it's their first time. Here's an even sicker part. No, I don't. I wouldn't say the numbers bear that out, by the way, Benjamin. The uh, numbers bear out that the 18-year-olds don't go to vote at all. I mean, not much. Right. I think he's talking about the. Uh, I think he's talking about the ones that do go vote. The ones that do go vote probably. Um, you're probably right, Benjamin. The ones that do vote are vastly uninformed. Here's an even sicker part, says Ben. Our teacher gave people extra credit for voting. <laughs> sure, it helps out their grade, but it is wrong to just blindly vote. What do you guys think? Well, I, I agree, of course. I I do too. I I think that uh, please. If you don't know what you're doing, don't go. I would hope, and he doesn't mention it here, but I would hope that uh, Benjamin spoke up during that conversation and pointed out that even though he's 17 and didn't have the opportunity to vote, uh, that he would not have voted um, Republican or Democrat um, because they, neither of the, unless, of course, it was some principled individual running under the Republican-Democrat candidacies, which they are doing here in New Hampshire, but nowhere else, really. Uh, I suppose it's possible elsewhere, but very unlikely. Most of these people are just power-hungry sickos who want to uh, control the government and set a bunch of rules and mold society in the way they, they deem appropriate. He says, I just wanted to state and wanted to thank you guys for opening my mind and helping me be less ignorant than some of my classmates. When I'm 18, I'll be sure to vote Libertarian. By the way, I already hooked two people onto the show. You guys do a fantastic job at explaining the issues. Thanks, Thanks. Ben. I really appreciate that. You know, I think that um, I think he's right. I think a lot of kids uh, just go and vote because and, and vote for whomever it is that 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 they respect, whether it's their parents or whether it's mm-hmm. some older friend or something like that says that they they should. They don't really know the issues. They don't know the candidates. They don't know really much of anything. And uh, um, is it good for them to know how to vote? Yes. But I don't know. Maybe let's give them a practice form. Yeah, those and are not the, turn it in. Right. Those are the people that were um, the founding fathers didn't want voting. And as a matter want, of fact, they didn't allow eighteen-year-olds right. to vote. They didn't want uninformed individuals going to the polls. Mm-hmm. 
because when you have uninformed people going to the polls, voting for, well, of course, it's really the choices that we have that are the problem, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Well, unfortunately, the Founding Fathers uh, also ruined their credibility when they didn't let people who weren't white vote. That's true. All right, we're done. It's been Ian here with you. And Mark. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.